0: Wonderwork power in the pressure as they seem are not the results of massive You may wish to adjust the dial you are currently tuned into the wrong station.
1: Since she'd been young, she'd had a favorite story about a girl named Bird Ellen, who was kidnapped by the Prince of the Fair Folk. From the time it had been sung to her as a lullaby, one stanza had caught in her memory, like a gnat twitching in sap. As twilight came, she turned about and vanished down the lane. And long they stayed and longer still, but she came not back again. And long they stayed and longer still, but she came not back again. In the story, the prince brought Bird Ellen to a place called the Dark Tower, and since the Fair Folk lived beneath the hills, it was a tower in reverse, spiraling down, down, down into the twilight of the earth. On summer evenings growing up, she had lain on hillsides with her eyes shut, imagining halls and spiral stairs beneath, and arches gilt with indigo and ivory and Bird Ellen sitting on a velvet couch, combing golden hair with a silver comb, dreaming of further worlds below. And long they stayed and longer still, but she came not back again. At the end of the story, Bird Ellen's brother rescued her, bringing her home to a world where splintering combs rasped burrs from brown hair, where arches were dripping, thatched beams, and where love wasn't found with a prince on a velvet couch, but with Cathal, whose breath stank on a straw mat in a mud hut. It was Maeve's wedding night. She lay, gazing up at the moon through a hole in the ceiling. Cathal snored beside her, his scars lit up silver in the glow. It had been her first time. He had been surprised. It hadn't been his... He had gone raiding down the coast with Dart Danny's war band the summer before. There had been women, he said, but he had offered no context. She had not been brave enough to ask for any. Still, it was easy to distract herself from the thought. There had been mead at the wedding, and a series of toasts before the bedding party dragged the young couple off to Cathal's house. Pleasantly drunk, with an early spring breeze sifting through the window, she drowsed. Imagining how pleased Cathal would be if she had conceived a son. A low hum lifted from the garden outside. At first she thought she was dreaming the sound, but when she slivered one eye Something was floating in the window. A sprite. Her eyes snapped open and she jerked upright. Beside her Cathal grunted and rolled over in his sleep. It was a little thrum of wings, like a dragonfly and a red light in the center of a black body. She froze, not wanting to frighten it. She had never seen a sprite before. Usually, when seen, they were supposed to rush away, but this one tilted in the window, as if curious. "'Come on,' she whispered, beckoning. "'Don't be shy.' It hesitated, and then bobbed lightly down the sill, its sharp little legs clacking. Slowly, she climbed out of bed, and crept to the window. For a moment, it seemed the sprite would flit away, but she pulled back, cooing, and it settled in. Hello there, she whispered. Are you hungry? Do you want something to drink? The sprite made a little trilling noise. She tiptoed to the cupboard, returning with a bowl filled with milk. The sprite chirruped again, extending a silver mosquito beak to drink. I'm glad you came, whispered Maeve. It's nice to have a friend you know i had a cat at my mother and father's house but Cathal doesn't like cats so i wasn't allowed to bring him she glanced back at Cathal and turned back to the sprite with a little smile and a finger over her lips promise you won't tell him the sprite made a series of clicks and tilted its shining head mave winked at him and reached out to clear away the bowl in a flash the sprite leapt forward and stung the inside of her arm She jumped back, biting down on a cry and nearly spilling the dish as it thrummed out the window and disappeared. Little bully, she murmured, looking at her forearm. A spot of blood stood out over the vein. She shook her head. Guess he wasn't done with the milk. Then she drank the milk herself and went to bed. When she woke in the morning, the pinprick had healed, leaving her only with vague memories about a strange dream. Cathal opened the front door. What's this? He re-entered with a basket full of fresh, warm bread and a jar of yellow butter. The details of her dream rushed back. She felt warm inside, and the incident with the sting was forgiven. "'Must be a wedding gift,' said Cavill. "'But from who?' "'Must be,' said Maeve, and she smiled, because she knew it was from the fair folk. The next week, another basket of rich, seed-filled bread appeared at the door, and the week after that, and the week after that. Each time Cathal brought in the basket, a shadow darkened on his face. It was too much bread. It was too generous. Already Maeve was putting on a healthy sleekness, though two years of bad harvest had left everyone in the village sallow and dark-eyed. "'Somebody's fattening you up, Maeve,' he said at last, narrowing his eyes as he tore open a loaf. "'You wouldn't have a secret admirer, would you?' "'Me?' she said. She almost laughed. "'Of course not.' He stared at her for a long moment, chewing. "'All right,' he said. "'I believe you. You wouldn't try and make a fool out of Stripe Cathal.' It was a nickname he had been cultivating, a reference to the scars he had taken while reaving with Dart Danny. Maeve didn't like it. It made it harder to separate the man she knew from the man she feared he was. That evening, Cathal went to his mother, Besmoira, who sold salves in the town." I think Maeve is shaming me with another man, he said. The old woman frowned. That doesn't sound like her, she said. Besides, you said she was a virgin. She was, said Cathal, but now she's keeping secrets. The next week Maeve ate none of the bread because she was sick. She's pregnant, said Besmoira. Is it mine, said Cathal? Of course it's yours, but there's no way of knowing for sure. "Well, no," said Besmoira, "but if she's this far along already, she must have conceived right when you got married. No bride breaks her vows in the first week." "So there's no way of knowing," said Cathal. The sickness worsened. By the third day Maeve's skin was pale, her hair lank, and her eyelids dark. By the end of the week she had visibly lost weight. The spring rains had ended. Campaign season had come and Cathal was packing his axe and his horse to rejoin the war band. You should stay, said Besmoira. She's been bleeding. The child could die. She could die. If the child's not strong enough to live, it's not mine, said Cathal. And if she dies, it's God's proof she was untrue. He rode off before she could say anything else. That night, from a pained sleep, Maeve woke again to find the sprite on the sill. You came back, she said. Was that you with the bread? The sprite chirped, bobbing up and down. Thank you, she said. A sweet smell wafted through the room, and Maeve found that it began to clear her head. Is that you doing that? The sprite chattered and swooped through the room, doubling back two or three times at the door. What are you doing, she said. Do you want me to follow? It clicked at her, and Maeve pushed aside the bedding, the smell making her strong enough to follow. It led her out into the night, her bare feet hushed in the damp grass, down a path through the woods, toward the marsh. A hand reached from the dark, grabbing her wrist. Maeve cried out, and the sprite zoomed around, with its sharp beak gleaming in the moonlight. But it was only Besmoira, looming from the trees with her basket of herbs. Is this it? she whispered. The secret you've been keeping from my son? The sprite is my friend, said Maeve. It's been helping me. Maeve, said Besmoira, the fair folk are not to be trusted. And more than that, my son suspects something. If he finds you've been consorting with them, he'll assume. She shook her head. If he thinks your baby is one of theirs, he'll kill you both. Mave's eyes widened. He wouldn't, she said. My husband's a good man. But she wasn't sure she believed herself. Your husband, maybe, said Besmoira. "'But Stripe Cathal?' "'She shook her head. "'I don't know who he's become.' "'Then don't tell him,' said Maeve, tearing her hand away. "'There's no reason to be suspicious anyway. "'I've met no men of the Fair Folk, only the Sprite, and the Sprite is my friend.' "'He is not your friend,' said Besmoira, but it was too late. "'The Sprite had thrummed down the path, and the girl had followed, "'sprinting on bare feet through the grass.' The old woman stood for a long time, not knowing what to do. But Maeve was flying. The night was clear and cool, and dew sparkled on every leaf in the woods. The sprite hummed back and forth in front of her, its red light tracing patterns in the dark as it led her past the trees and into the marsh. Wait, cried Maeve. Isn't it dangerous? But the sprite danced back and forth, beckoning her on. I trust you, said Maeve and she hitched up her skirt, leaping from tussock to tussock over the dark waters deeper into the bogs. She came to a black pool. On its other side, a mound rose from the swamp. The sprite led her on, but she hesitated at the water's edge. Please, sprite, she said. I don't want to doubt you, but the stories talk about Will-o'-the-Wisps leading people to drown in swamps. Please, can you promise I'll be safe? But the sprite only flitted over the water. Maeve took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and jumped. She expected to be sucked into icy depths, for slime and weed to drag her down, but instead, calf deep, she landed on a hard, flat surface, like metal or stone. She waded across, and came to the edge of the mound. The Sprite had disappeared. "'Hello?' she said. She turned back to look over the water. "'Hello? Sprite?' "'Hello, Maeve,' said a voice she turned again. A door had opened in the mound, and white light poured forth, framing the most beautiful man she'd ever seen. He was a head taller than anyone in the village, clean-shaven and square-shouldered. He had perfect teeth, clean golden hair, and wore crisp white clothing. "'Oh!' she said. By the standards of the village, she was tall and comely. But as the man smiled down at her, she felt ashamed of her appearance— found herself short and ugly, with matted hair, fingernails filled with dirt, and clothes of unwashed sackcloth. Maeve, said the man, I heard you were sick. He produced two stools of a light clear glass from inside the door. Um, yes, she said. I've had the morning sickness. It's been more than other women get, and there's been blood. Uh, How do you know who I am? The Fair Folk Prince, she decided in her mind it was the only thing to call him, nodded with solemn, kind eyes. That must be very hard, he said. I'm so sorry. As for how I know who you are, my little friend has told me all about you. He lifted his palm, and the sprite appeared in the air again, thrumming and clicking, its red eye glowing bright. He said how generous you were with the bowl of milk, and how nice you were, even after he got scared and bit you on that first night. ''Oh, well, thank you,'' said Maeve. ''I just like... I used to have a cat. I like to take care of small things, you know?'' The Fair Folk Prince nodded, looking very serious. ''I feel the same way, Maeve,'' he said. ''And every so often, it's wonderful when life gives us a chance to do that.'' He produced something from his coat and held it to the light from the door. It was a clear gem filled with red fluid.'' Mave, this is fair folk magic,' said the prince. "'If you swallow it, it will take the sickness away.' Her eyes widened. "'Really?' he nodded, placing it in her palm, and then closed her fingers over it with hands that were strong but warm and gentle. Yet when she raised the gem to her lips, she hesitated. The prince laughed, kindly but maybe condescendingly. "'You're not sure whether to trust me,' he said. "'You've heard stories about the fair folk.' and you're right to wonder. Sometimes the folk have done terrible things, but on my honor, Maeve, this is not one of those times. We only want to keep your baby safe. He stood. If you decide not to, I won't be hurt, but it would make me happy if you would. With another sad, beautiful smile, he gave her a slight bow, wished her good night, and re-entered the mound. She did not have the courage to ask him to stay. Maeve and the sprite were left alone, and though Besmoira's warning echoed in her mind, the prince's own words echoed louder, and her hand trembled with the memory of his warm, firm touch. She swallowed the gem, and the sprite trilled, and away over the water, Besmoira put a hand across her mouth. The next morning, Maeve awoke in perfect health. A new basket of bread sat at the front door, filled with jams and soft cheeses. She tore into them, revitalizing herself. The rest of her pregnancy was without complication. She was hale and active, even through the end of the summer. The town marveled. Many had been sure she would die. But she had picked up a strange habit. It was remarked on in town how she would leave her home in the evenings and walk along the water's edge in the marsh, even until long after dark. Once, she thought she caught a glimpse of him, sitting atop the mound, watching the stars wheel overhead. She called out, but a light flashed over the marsh, and he was gone. At night, she no longer dreamed of Cathal, but spent her sleeping hours walking down, 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 the dark tower's spiral stair, following his deep, clear voice through the twilight. In autumn, news reached the village. Dark Danny's band had been routed by one of the coastal lords. Captured, he'd been torn apart by hot pokers. Most of his men, it was said, were dead. Besmoira began wearing black, though she'd had no news of Stripe Cathol. Seven months before, Maeve would have been devastated. Now, the news filled her with quiet excitement. In the village, she wore a gloomy face. But at night, she would skip along the edge of the marsh. In a year, the law would declare her a widow. She would be free. She imagined, then that the Fair Folk Prince would walk across the cold black water, take her hand, and lead her under the hill. It was so close now. Nothing stood in the way. The Sprite still visited her, which meant she still held the Prince's favor. It could come true. She delivered her baby in the fall, and it came easily. She named him Aliol, which meant Man of the Fair Folk, a name which made Besmoira's face darken. A week later... Cathal reappeared. It was sundown. A figure broke from the darkness of the woods, staggering into town. He wore a hacked-off noose around his neck and horrid burns marked where hot pokers had torn his bare arms and chest. He stopped near the center of town to drink from the well. A crowd gathered to hear his story. He had been captured with Dart and tortured. When he was close to death, they'd let him go, assuming he'd die in the woods." "'But Stripe Cathal doesn't die,' he said. "'His burns were beginning to fester. "'He stank. "'When Besmoira appeared from the crowd "'and tried to clean them, he shoved her aside. "'That's for my wife to do,' he said. "'Where is she?' "'Maeve was feeding the baby when he darkened the door. "'Maeve,' he said. "'You lived.' "'She felt hope die inside her. "'So did you,' she said. "'You don't sound so happy. "'The boy.' "'What's his name?' she told him. "'Ah,' said Caffel. "'Is he named for his father, then?' She froze. "'I don't know what you're talking about,' she said. "'Yes, you do,' he said, pulling a glowing poker from the fire. "'My mother told me about your little trysts in the swamp. "'Handsome, is he? "'Let's see how handsome his son turns out with his face burned off.' She stood. She didn't think she could run. It was too soon after childbirth.' She felt as though her guts would tumble out of her. He stepped forward. She had no chance. And then, a sweet smell wafted through the window. New strength filled her, and she dashed for the opening just as Cathal lunged, and the sprite burst past her. It struck him in the chest, its needle-like legs and stinger carving into his flesh. He screamed and struck it to the floor with the poker, burning off a strip of his own skin as he did. Maeve was already through the window, running for the swamp. The sweet smell sparked in her nostrils, pressing her on, even though she could feel hot blood cooling along the insides of her thighs. The baby howled as she sprinted down the forest path. Dark had fallen. Only fragments of the full moon lit the path beneath the trees. And behind her, she heard him coming. The sweet smell was in his nostrils, too. For the first time in weeks, he felt strong and whole though his wound still festered, and tortured muscles still shuddered under his skin. He screamed her name, and she plunged into the swamp, missing the first tussock and wading through waist-deep water to get to the second. He plunged in after her, faster and stronger, but forced to thrash through the chest-deep mire without the knowledge of the dry root. The poker's red tip had cooled. It was now just a black bludgeon in his scarred hand. She jumped from the last bank and splashed across the hard floor of the black pool. Throwing herself against the edge of the mound, she hammered against it. "'Please!' she shouted. "'Help! He'll kill us both! Prince, please help us!' But no answer came. Something splashed behind her and she turned, shrinking back against the slope as Cathal waded forward, grinning as he lashed the water with the poker's iron point. "'Where is he now?' he said. "'Your fair folk lover.' Tired of you? Done with you? Has he made you a fool like you've made me? He climbed up onto the bank, blue eyes blazing at her. Now, he said, give me the baby. She held her son closer. Never, she said. He pressed close so she could smell his breath. I could smash your head and take him from you, he said. But if you let me take him, I'll let you live. She couldn't meet his eyes, but she couldn't do what he asked. She whispered. No. He stood back and raised the poker. Then he'll die in your arms. Turn around and go back, said a voice. May whirled, her heart rising. But it wasn't the prince. A woman dressed in black stood on the hilltop, with black plates on her knees, chest, and elbows. A helmet framed her face, and she was pointing a wand of black metal towards Cathal. This is your only warning. Cathal leered up at her. "'Women don't tell me what to do.' He lunged, and the night was split by a thunderclap. Cathel's chest exploded into a cloud of red mist. A stink of burned meat smoked out of him, and he fell back into the swamp, with a hole through his chest, the diameter of a dinner plate. Silence fell. The woman lowered her weapon. "'Is the baby unharmed?' "'Yes,' said Maeve, weeping and sinking to her knees. "'Thank you. Yes.' As the woman strode downhill, Maeve saw that she was much taller than Cathal, with the same clear skin and straight teeth as the prince. She smelled good, and had his same ageless quality, as though she were forty, even fifty, but still fit and active. Please, said Maeve, may I speak with him, the prince? The fair folk woman sighed and spoke into the air. Doctor, she said, it's safe to come out now. The mound hissed and that door of light appeared. The prince stepped through, as beautiful as she remembered, and without thinking, she flung herself into his arms. For a moment, the world was perfect, her, the baby, and him. Then, gently, firmly, she was pushed back. She gazed up, and though he was still beautiful, there was something colder and sterner about him than before. Remembering her dignity, she flushed, lowering into a curtsy. My prince, she said. The Fair Folk Woman laughed. This one thinks highly of you, she said. Try not to enjoy it too much. Please, said the prince. She's a child. Maeve's face burned. I'm a woman, she said, with all the quiet composure she could. I turned thirteen two years ago. The Fair Folk Woman laughed, and the prince ignored her, crouching down before Maeve, the way an adult does with a child. Your son is beautiful, Maeve said the prince. What's his name? Aliel, it means... I know, he said, with a sad smile. Do you mind if I hold him? Numb, Maeve passed the baby over. The prince cradled him in his arms, cooing. He really is beautiful, said the prince. Maeve, you know you would have lost him without us. She nodded. Do you know why we saved him? I thought... She stopped herself. Speak, he said. I thought it was because you looked favorably on me, and once I'd given birth, I'd come live with you in the Dark Tower." The armored woman laughed like a crow. The prince looked more sad than ever before. "'That's not the reason, Maeve,' he said. "'Oh?' she said. "'I'm going to tell you the truth,' he said. "'I'm not a prince, and there's no such thing as the Fair Folk. My officer here and I are people just like you. but." said Maeve. Nutrition? Hygiene? Medicine? A little cosmetic dentistry? That's the only difference between us. Your son here could grow up in our society and turn out just like us. He leaned forward. Would you like that, Maeve? She didn't know how to answer him. Maeve, when people have a safe life and enough opportunity, they don't have many children. Maybe one, maybe none, ever. So when a society becomes safe, healthy, and free enough, it has to replenish its numbers somehow, or else in time, it dies. Do you understand? She said nothing. He looked down. And so they set up little reserves, places where people live like everyone used to, where life is still hard, so women have more children. And every once in a while, we... Spirit won away. Usually the child would have died anyway, but in a place where children die all the time, he shrugged, the parents adapt, but the children, they get to grow up and live healthy, educated lives. Don't you want that for your boy, Maeve? Do, do I get to come? said Maeve. He shook his head. No, Maeve, he said. We can only take babies or young children. But, Maeve said, But he's my son. He looked away. I'm sorry, Maeve. It can't be the way you want. All I can offer you is a better life for your boy. Is that what you want? You want to take my boy? The prince nodded. He'll be happy. He'll be healthy. I know it's painful, but it's for the best. Maeve, may we take your son? Slowly, crying, Maeve shook her head. No, she whispered. Never. Ah, said the prince. He stood with the boy still in his arms. I had hoped you wouldn't say that. Give him back, she said. Give me back my son right now. He stepped back into the light, and she threw herself at him, but the woman was already between them, knocking Maeve aside as if she weighed nothing. Please, screamed Mave as the door hissed shut with her son inside. Please! And then a thrum filled the air and in a flash of red light, a sprite had appeared on her arm, sinking its needle beak into her bicep with a hiss. Please, she murmured, as the drug seeped through her blood. Please. And then darkness claimed her, and when she woke, it was in her own bed, alone. After that, though she traveled often through the marsh, she never saw a light flash, or the prince watching stars wheel by. And though she often waited and called for her son, The hill was silent ever after. And long she stayed, and longer still, but he came not back again. And long she stayed, and longer still, but he came not back again.
0: The Wrong Station is made possible by the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Consider visiting today at patreon.com slash thewrongstation. This week's episode... The Fair Folk was written by Alexander Saxton and performed by Tara Wink. The Wrong Station is co-produced by Alexander Saxton, Anthony Botello, and Jacob Duarte-Spiel, with music composed and performed on the piano by Ilan Citrin, and arranged for the viola and performed by Ilana Schmid. You can subscribe to The Wrong Station on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and any other of your favorite podcast services. You can follow The Wrong Station on Facebook, Twitter, and email us at thewrongstation@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow The Wrong Station creative team on Twitter at A.E.W. Saxton, A.J.V. Botello, and JacobBRDS. And until next time, thank you for listening.